You know, I'm not sure if God's going to move in some great revival for America. I, I just don't know. Sometimes I think so. Sometimes I have doubts for our nation. But I do know that this, that in this camp we can, right here. We will pray for America. We love our country. We'll have to leave that up to God. But in here we can. Men have tried to muster up moves of God in the last 30, 40, 50 years. And they crash and burn. A work of flesh. It's obvious. We're getting to that time of year where you might walk out. I was thinking of that today when I was, or this morning, when I went down my steps. And sometimes it tricks you. You're just kind of not used to the change of weather, and sometimes you go out there without a coat, and you think, ooh. So you have to start getting in the remembrance of wearing a coat. And sometimes when I go out the steps, if there happens to be a layer of frost on there, I could be gone. Somehow through the night, the atmospheric conditions were just right, and frost fell covered my steps when the conditions are right when the people of God take serious the work of God through our feeble attempts through our lazy attempts through our flawed attempts the atmosphere can become right and the presence of God fall in this camp there's something that keeps God away from the camp I'm sure you know what it is it's sin what we need God was alluding to this morning the answer is for every one of us to have a revival of personal holiness unto the Lord Remember, I said personal. So it's not for you to tell me what I need to get right. <clears throat> God will tell me. Personal revival of holiness in your life. Because God will nail me to the wall, something He won't touch you. And let's not be stupid and go brain dead. Pornography is wrong for all. Okay? I'm going to start falling into that foolishness. But there are personal things you might get into that I don't even think of. It doesn't even have to be something that we name as sin. And yet it'll hinder. It'll make you polluted and unholy. As silly as this sound, I'll tell you again, just trying to be transparent. One of the many things in my life, which I would have to think if I look at everybody here, almost everybody, because I might have put this in my sons, 
but everybody, anybody else that's not related to me, you cannot have this problem. And that's Italian music. I'm sure you're not drawn to it. Maybe my son Joe is, or my son Jason, because how I was raised. Okay? And it can become sin. Because there was, as silly as this may sound now, I understand, but sin is silly. There was an arrogance of being Italian. There was a pride in it. I mean, we really thought either you were or you wanted to be. I know that's silly. But that was in. I'm talking my family's deep into. They're from the old country, the whole, every. And then I got saved. And God told me, you know what? Being Italian is not cool. I loathe what it's done to you. It put a pride and an arrogance. So we're outside of maybe my two sons, every one of you. Like, what? That, that's personal holiness. A revival of personal holiness. If you refuse, then you can stop the move of God in this camp. You heard that, right? If you refuse, you can stop the move of God in this camp. That's how heavy it is. That's how high it is in the eyes of God. You see, years ago, when the Spirit of God would move in revival, people's heart would break because of sin. They would see themselves for what they are and weep and repent in front of God and and it would catch fire. People would be breaking and weeping. Now we have doctrine running around saying, don't say you're not good. That's how far we've come. So when we can't have a real move of God, because God backs out of that camp, we try to create our own moves of God. And they're ludicrous, stupid. Ridiculous. Deuteronomy twenty three fourteen simply says, For the Lord thy God walketh in the midst of thy camp. Okay? I mean, that alone, if you tremble at the word of God, that alone should keep you holy. I probably cannot remember that quote from Leonard Ravenhill. But man, it is a quote that just stunned me. I thought, oh my gosh. Where God takes an unholy person out of an unholy world. Makes that unholy person holy. Takes that holy person, puts them back in the unholy world and keeps him holy. That is a miracle. Only God can do that.
God says, For the Lord thy God walk in the midst of thy camp to deliver thee and to give up thy enemies before thee. Therefore, because of this, because God walks in your camp, the Bible says, Therefore shall thy camp be holy. It needs to be holy. That he see no unclean thing in thee and turn away from thee. And this is what God has done to the American church. It's full of unholy things, unholy stuff, unholy attitudes, unholy thoughts, unholy people. And God goes, he turns away. Thus, we are left without a move of God, without the power of God, without the presence of God. Your loved ones go on unsaved. Your children are going to be one of the eight out of the ten that turn away from God because they see no substance, no real. They see us at home and say, Personal revival of holiness must take place in our lives. Must. Deuteronomy 23.9 says, When the army goes out against your enemies... When the army goes out, when the army goes out against your enemies, then keep yourself from every wicked thing. You're the army of God. And when you go out, God says, you got to stay away from wicked things. If therefore is any man among you who becomes unclean by some occurrence in the night, something you do, then God says he shall go outside the camp. He shall not come inside the camp. But it shall be when evening comes that he will wash with water, and when the sun sets, he may come into the camp. You're about to go to war, and somebody does some bozo thing. God says, get out. Get out the camp. You need to look tonight be sober. At how serious God takes holiness, personal holiness. Now, man has tried holiness. They tried. They come up with thin ties, and ladies, no earrings, and no makeup, uh, various ridiculous, meaningless, outwardly stuff, religion. And we're not talking about that. We're talking about a Holy Spirit that can talk to his people and say, I don't want you to do this, say that, look like that, buy that, or go there. A holiness that only God can do. And you'll know it. You'll know it. A personal holiness unto the Lord. Remember the headband that the high priest wore? Holiness unto the Lord. And if he defiled himself with a thought, he would drop dead in the presence of God. The church is almost dead. Leviticus 11.45 says, For I am the Lord that bringeth you up out of the land of Egypt. To be your God, you shall therefore be holy. 
for this reason, for I am holy. I saw my son Jason take his son Luke to probably the men's room. And I didn't notice it on the way out, but on the way in, Jason's coming in like this. I used to do that a lot. And I'm looking, and there's little Luke right beside him. Same thing. Where our Heavenly Father says He's holy. Because I'm holy, you should be holy. It's not an option. It's not a choice. He says, be ye holy. When we say, "Mm, I don't know, he goes, and that's what's happened. That is what's happened to us. The only way that you can understand this is by spending time in the presence of God. Because then God can open to the, your eyes to the things and you'll go, oh, I see that. I understand now. Not just not what I'm saying. It's the Spirit of God. A revival of personal holiness. Leviticus 20, 26. Listen to these. And you shall be holy unto me, for I, the Lord, am holy, and have severed you from other people, that you should be mine. God has made the Sabbath holy. So you come to his house to be with him. We don't treat that holy anymore. My pastor was here. We're, we're talking, and he lives in a much bigger area, way bigger area than this. And he's telling us they can't find a church that doesn't serve food and eat. Evening churches, they're all closed. He said, You still do that after all these years? God said, I have severed you from those people so that you will be mine. And it seems like we spend most of our saved life running back to those people. When God says, no, I've I've cut you off from them so that you can be mine. And then we're wanting moves of God. The atmosphere's not right. And so we make pretend frosts like they do snow. And we claim it's a move of God. No, it's not. It's not. Leviticus 22, 32 says, Neither shall you profane my holy name. And people always think, you hit your thumb with a hammer and you go, Jesus Christ. Like you used to. If you still do, I wish God's hand would appear. Slap you right across the face. But I'm not even talking about that. There was a song years ago, Michael, saying we try to remember it. We, we can't quite remember it. But it went, we wear his name. Where do you take his name? 
How do you act with that name? You profane it. We wear his name. And God says, you shall not profane my name, but I will be hallowed among the children of Israel. I am the Lord which hallowed you. Now, we told you a while back how serious God takes that. The sin of sacrilege, I think I called it. Where God anoints implements in the house of God. Where God anoints the various things that we need to conduct. It says it's anointed. And you remember the story when King Belshazzar and having that party and ran out of cups or whatever, and they ran into the temple. They already had put the people of God and overrun them. Took out those cups that were holy unto God. Put booze in them so they had more cups to drink. And that's when God's finger appeared and went that mini, mini tickle you farson. Wrote on the wall the finger of God. Just from a cup that's supposed to be holy. Do you understand that this can be holy? It sits on the altar of God. Day in and day out. Day in and day out. I don't know if you've sensed it. But those of you who go back in that room to pray, the more we pray and the more we cry out in that room, the more that room absorbs a holiness in there. And that's what happens. These are just things about you and me. Implements, people. How about this one? Hebrews twelve fourteen. You know this one. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. We're not seeing the Lord move. All by his mercy and grace, people get saved and they can't get saved without the Lord. I'm not saying he hasn't abandoned us. But we're not seeing great moves, heavy, weighty presence, the kabod of God. True worship in the Spirit is not explaining or preaching on that. It's getting caught up in it. Into the heavenlies. It's not being told about it. And God says, without holiness, we can't see that. It's easy for us to point at the finger at the dude that's still boozing and drinking and around. He's never going to save the kingdom of God. I'm talking about us, just like that video. I'm talking to the church. Us. Without the holiness of God, we're not going to see the move of God. Because the atmosphere will never get right. Because God will never charge that atmosphere. He will never send his power down or his glory. Our churches 
all, all through tonight, maybe still now, pounding on all their instruments, jumping, screaming, running around, people coming out of the choir, twirling and dancing, whatever, saying, what a service. And sometimes you can do that. But that's what we replaced this with. As man-made, trumped up. A lack of holiness is a critical obstacle to having a close relationship with the Lord. Years ago, I actually got in trouble because I was told, all you ever speak of is holiness. And I would say, well, excuse me. Without that, you're not going to heaven. So we're really not having real moves of God. I'm so thankful for Pastor Bender visiting. I wasn't sure what to do. It was rough for me preaching this morning, by the way, if you don't know. With him sitting right there. He was back there nice, and Ruth brought him right there. But he said to us, I want you to know something. There was a heavy, wonderful anointing of God in your church. Because sometimes I'm going, sometimes you can't see the trees through the forest. You get spun around and you're wondering what's going. was wonderful to have someone whom I trust and love outside of us speak things to Ruth and I. We're not even going to see the Lord without this holiness. And you can stop that. I'm sure the enemy has gone around and made you feel unimportant, insignificant. But you can stop the move of God. If you continue to do whatever you're into. And the presence of God is here and you walk in, God goes. Decreases his level of, I don't know, but that's, that's what happens. It's exactly what happens. The lost are not seeing the Lord in us. You know all the statistics. We divorce as much as the world. It's, it's obvious. Exodus 40, verse 10 says, Listen to this, and thou shalt anoint the altar of the burnt offerings and all his vessels and sanctify the altar. And it shall be, listen, look up here, an altar most holy. What do you talk about when you come up to this altar? Most holy. <clears throat> If I see my grandkids booking for this up here, I tell them, uh-uh, get out. This is most holy. The altar. The altar of God. You know, it's, under, it's kind of interesting because God says, be holy, and then there are things that are some uh, most holy. When God says that, you need to go... Most holy. 
most holy. It's wonderful for people to come down to the altar. I love altar calls. There's something about you moving and coming down to the most holy altar of God. Not to discuss the game, but to pray. Say, man, God, I need help. It's a place that is most holy. Here's another portion of Scripture that, that should let you see how serious God is about holiness. Exodus 30, verse 25 says, And thou shalt make it an oil of holy ointment. This is why we have this stuff. We see this in the Word of God, and we say, okay, we can anoint. We're supposed to anoint with oil. tells us in the New Testament also. But here's how they did it in the Old. And thou shalt make it an oil of holy ointment, an ointment compounded after the art of the apothecary. It shall be an holy anointing oil. Thou shalt anoint the tabernacle of the congregation therewith, and the ark of the testimony, and the table, and all his vessels, and the candlestick, and his vessels, and the altar of incense, and the altar of burnt offerings, with all his vessels, and the laver, and his foot. And thou shalt sanctify them, that they may be most holy. Whatsoever toucheth them shall be holy. This is just the stuff in the house of God. You ever heard of this called the, the holy desk? Holiness. All that stuff. I don't think we look at it that way. I don't think we understand how serious God says about this. The holy things of God. So God says, anoint this. And if you go on and, and read, he gives them an actual recipe. What to, how to make this. But then he tells us something in verse 33. It says, whosoever compoundeth any like it, or whosoever putteth any of it upon a stranger, shall even be cut off from his people. I went to a church one time, long time ago, years and years ago. <clears throat> and we were attempting to pray and seek the Lord. It was just at this church. And somebody needed prayer or something, and I asked the pastor, and got the oil and put the oil on the guy. And, man, the... It had such a fragrance, an aroma. It was nice. And at that time, I went to the pastor and said, what do you do? What, what is, what do you? And he said, oh, we, we add this and add that. No, I, this is just oil. Okay? If you take it out and throw it in your pan, you can fry an egg. Okay? Do, do you understand? So, but I was asking, what? That's cheese. <clears throat> and I was almost going to play with that because it was nice. Until I saw in there, it's in that chapter, I think, God says, don't you make that. Because it's my holy anointing oil. So I went, I ain't even going to play with that. I don't know what all the, it tells you the spices, but I can't even figure out the or, or to pronounce them. But I'm like, okay, God said, don't do that. 
So your job is to not do it. Do you understand how... Now, we haven't even talked about us yet. We just talked about things. These. It sits here in the presence of God, a speaker. God says anything that touches it. many of you uh, went to Uganda with us? Okay, here's a little story on Uganda. It's not going to be eye-opening to you, but this is what it is. It says this revival talks about a spiritual awakening. And by the way, this is by the editor of Charisma Magazine. Remember the guy I told you about who's had a turnaround in his life? Lee Grady, I think his name is. This is what he says. The only thing that will save us. And that's the title of his article. This revival had humble beginnings in September of 1929, just before America's Great Depression. Historians trace it to a prayer meeting in Kampala, Uganda, where a missionary to Rwanda, Joe Church, prayed and read the Bible They felt God had showed them that the African church was powerless because of a lack of personal holiness. Entrenched Muslim nation, Africa. We have 1%, I think, in America as of now. That'll change, but we have 1%. So I'm not going to read it all, but he goes, Whether sermons were delivered from pulpits or under trees, six important themes were emphasized in those days. The blood of Jesus. The name of Jesus. The cross of Jesus. The word of God. The testimony of the saints and the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Those six things. Leaders also stress the message of 1 John 6, 7. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sins. He goes on and says, As was true in other spiritual awakenings in history, such as the Asbury Revival in Kentucky in 1970. That was a Wednesday. I showed you that on tape, if you remember. No barking, no laughing, no rolling down the aisles. You heard people weep. People stood in front of each other and admitted their sins. No matter how embarrassing, the honesty cut deep into human pride and dealt a fatal blow against entrenched sin and religious hypocrisy. He says we must have 
Uh, after hearing more details about the East African revival while I was in Uganda last week, I was convinced that this type of movement is the only thing that will pull the United States out of its current despair. We must have a spiritual awakening or we die. Political engineering, economic policies, government bailouts, and stimulus packages will not save us. No politicians, Democrat or Republican, will reverse our course toward destruction. Our only hope is that a backslidden American church, a church that is as smug, blind, and lukewarm as the Laodicean, will be zealous and repent. That's where it starts. With repenting and asking God for a revival of personal holiness. Repenting for drifting from it, whether intentionally or unintentionally. Lots of times I'm sure you've woke up and think, man, how did I get out here? Other times you just know it. Do you want to create an atmosphere? Or do you want to be guilty of hindering the move of God? Remember what happened to those who were guilty of hindering the move of God? God killed them all. He killed them all. Could you stand at this altar tonight and say, God, if I am going to be constantly rebellious, if I am going to constantly kick at the pricks, if I am going to be guilty of hindering the move of God, would you kill me? Tonight. Wouldn't you rather die tonight saved than live another 30 years kicking against the bricks, holiness, holiness, God keep tapping and nothing's happening to you? Look, our nation is lost. It's lost. It's out of our control. Our government is corrupt. The people in America aren't interested. Somebody has to stand up and repent and say, God, give me a revival of personal holiness. Not to come to me and say, Pastor, is it okay to do this, this, and this, and this? Nah. Between you and God. And eventually I'll know. When you try to pass off, it's okay to do something. When all this says, no, it's not. Then you'll be the one. 
I have another message coming up, maybe next Sunday. I'm not sure. Something I received. Very, very sobering email. I'm wrapping around a message about time. A lot of my time is spent now, my age. But a lot of us still think they have a lot of time. But when you see this plan unfold through this clip, I hope and pray you're going to say, I don't have time to be a goof any longer. Whether you're 8, 12, 18, 25, 60, whatever you are. It's factual. It's proof all through it. Most of you here will live to see it. I would be my father's age, I believe. 27 to 29 years. This is all supposed to take place. It's already, and it's nothing you can do to stop it. Let's stand. So if you're like Luke and you're six years old, he's going to be a 33-year-old man when this plan is seemingly without an intervention from God going to happen. I have no clue if Tim Letaire's 30. He'll be 57. Most likely he'll be alive. I'll be 87. I could be alive. The only thing is a divine intervention by God to a group of people who say, God, visit our camp. In our feeble, lazy, hindering way, Help us to create an atmosphere that you'll come. So our altar calls this. Repent. Everybody in this room. And ask God for a personal revival of holiness in your life. And then get ready for God to say things to you. Either right here, maybe you'll point something out right away. Maybe three days from now, you'll sit on your couch and go to do something and say, ooh, you'll see it different. You'll hear it different. It'll look different to you. You'll say, oh my gosh, I'm sorry. And every time you do that, every time you say, oh my gosh, I'm sorry, God. We're going to create that atmosphere. For the move of God. Without this, you blowing this off, 
God's going to back away from us. I'm going to dim some of these lights, the majority of them. Our altars are open. Please come talk to your God, your Holy Father. Repent and ask God for that personal revival of holiness. No more faking. No more mask wearing. You know the terminology. You know the scriptures. And none of that has created a move of God. Looking for people who will remove all masks, who will stop playing. And repent and ask God for that personal revival of holiness. Forget about who's not here, who you wish was here. God knew you were going to be here. And repent. You and God.